This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Objections, Sales EQ, and Inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Brad Adams, Senior Master Trainer, filling in today for Jeb, who is jet-setting around the world somewhere, delivering keynotes and just general awesomeness to sales professionals everywhere. I'm really excited about speaking with Damon today, today's guest, as I've known him for years. He's played a role as both a customer, a mentor, a friend, and a wonderful referral partner. And today's topic is about leadership, the importance of having or being a good leader, and also how leaders can use training content to support their teams and keep them sharp and empowered to accomplish their roles and tasks. Before we begin, I'd like to invite you to explore the comprehensive training suite that we have available in Sales Gravy University. For the avid listeners of this podcast, I want to offer and personally recommend that you take a free course so that you can see what it's all about. You can get a free course today by going to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com and be sure and use the promo free course. Now I'd like to introduce Damon Limby. Damon is the CEO of LearnIt, a great company in San Francisco, and he's also the best-selling author of The Learn It All Leader. With 24 years at the helm of, corp- of a corporate training company that has upskilled over 1.8 million professionals. That's a lot of people, Damon. A lot of people. <laughs> Damon studies how leaders and organizations learn or don't. I love that. And what prepares them to succeed in times of accelerating change? Damon, so glad to have you on the podcast today. Brad, I'm honored to be here. I've been a big fan of the Sales Gravy podcast for a long time. And as you know, I've been following and leveraging the tools and resources that Jeb and and your team's created. So it's, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. That's why your team's so amazing, right? It is. (laughs) It, 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 It definitely plays a part of it. It, it, you know, it ha- it's had its impact. Well, another thing that plays a part of it is is your leadership. And I'd like to learn a little bit about your journey. Uh, tell me about becoming the CEO of Learn It and all the joys and, 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 and challenges that that's been providing you. Yeah, there's been a lot of both. But uh, no, overall, it's great. Um, Learn It, we've been, in, we've been around now for 28 years. Uh, it was originally started by my father, who, like a lot of great entrepreneurs, he wanted to learn how to use back then how to digitize his um, real estate portfolio and a large real estate portfolio. And so he went and took a class and this was in the early nineties and he thought it was boring and stiff, thought there was a better way to do it. So he got curious and came up with a, a solution for learn it, which was to have shorter um, micro classes, you know, 90 minutes, let's say. And I was just finishing up um baseball at Arizona State, I should say, college, but baseball at Arizona State. And I thought my career was going to move on and for baseball. And unfortunately, it ended. And so I was kind of like, well, what am I what am I going to do now? And so I wasn't sure if my skills were transferable. And so I was really fortunate to have a real estate company to go into or a hotel chain. But I decided to start from the ground at this new company called Learn It as a receptionist in June of 1995, can't believe it's been 28 years. And fast forward, um, I've been the, from teaching classes to doing sales. 
Uh, I've been the CEO. I, I did just about every position, and I've been the CEO now for, like you mentioned, 24 years. So there's, it's been a wild ride. I never thought I would get in the corporate learning world, but I love it and uh, learned a lot. So I'm going to get to your book in a minute, but since you talked about baseball, I want to jump right to the Barry Bonds story, right? Uh, in, the, in the book, you talked about the advice that you got from Barry Bonds. Uh, you, you personally knew Barry Bonds. You hung out with Barry Bonds. You were there. Tell me about, uh, tell me about that, that moment when you were there with him and, and maybe some of the advice that Barry Bonds gave you when you were up to the plate. Well, that's funny, but yes. So at the, in the introduction of my book, the first story I talk about was it was alumni weekend in early 1990, I think it was 95, 94, and uh, Arizona State baseball, I was hitting third in the lineup. It was The game was just starting. I was kind of sitting off to the side of the batter's box, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of ex-alumni there for Arizona State, Barry and others, and um, <clears throat> I was watching the pitcher, and, and I heard this voice that said, hey, 20, 20, and I just didn't really pay attention. He's like, Hey, I'm talking to you. So I turned around, I looked in the crowd and, and it's Barry. And I'm like, okay. So I kind of go over to him and he says, watch this pitcher. When he squeezes his glove, it's a fastball. And, and, and he said, sure enough, the guy threw a fastball. It, when he holds it flat, it's a curveball. He's like, pay attention to that when you get up to the plate. So Brad, I get up to the plate and I'm like, I know Barry's watching. I'm a little nervous anyways. And um, first pitch, I'm like, squeeze. It's got to be a fastball. Boom, curveball. Next pitch. I, I, I thought it was, I thought here comes another curveball and it was a fastball. I got it wrong twice. So I said, let's forget that. Um, I can't, I can't see things that Barry can. The, the, the guy threw me a, a fastball down the middle. I hit a double in the gap. When I got to second base, I gave Barry two thumbs up, you know, shaking his head like he helped me. And uh, the funny thing is fast forward uh, to 2008, Barry became really good friends with my father, uh, Walt Lemby. And uh, he didn't remember that, re recall that story at all. But uh, we, be I got to travel with him when he went to break the home run record. And I learned a lot. And really, going back to the alumni game story, what it taught me and for my book was Barry was like, a, he's a student of the game. You know, here he is watching a college game. And, and he's, he's dialed in, he's focused, and he's learning. And which is great, is he's not only learning, but he's sharing back with somebody like me uh, and helping out. And that's, th that was just a tremendous experience for me. And it was a lot of fun. That sounds awesome. I, I bet Barry was an interesting character and he was, uh, he was incredible for sure. Um, you know, regardless of all the, the, the vibes, he was an absolutely stud of a baseball player. And uh, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, as, as, as you know, and he terrorized us for years with multiple different uniforms that he had on. So um, I, I know that leadership is a passion of yours, and uh, what, 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 this is your first book, right? Show us the book, by the way. Show us the cover. Show us what it looks like. Yeah, the Learn it, it All Leader. Yeah. The Learn It All Leader. Mindset <laughs> Traits. Awesome. Uh, th that's your first book? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, had a lot Thank of success you. so far. Uh, what was the catalyst to write it? So really, the, the, catal the main catalyst to write it was that you know, I really enjoy uh, giving back and, and helping others uh, in the business world, especially. And you know, I've had a unique look into all these organizations, thousands of organizations over the years, about how they how they lead teams, how they drive mo motivation and everything. And so, I just really wanted to kind of give my unique spin on leadership. I I think it's unique, 
you know, I getting back to baseball, uh, I played for three Hall of Fame um, Division One baseball coaches uh, at Pepperdine, a, a junior college for a year, and then at Arizona State. And really what I learned from them is what I helped model my leadership style as well as what I learned from my dad. So learning and, and me being able to do that, I, I wanted to be able to give back. The second motivation was uh, I, I really, you know, my father, who was like my idol, you know, he passed away in 2010. And my I have two little kids, as you know, we, we spoke about this, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And I really want them to be able to see how uh, learn more about their grandfather. And I thought this was a unique way to do it. And and not just, you know, all the stuff my dad did, but, you know, my mom and everybody else in my family who's contributed uh, to learn it. You know, like you mentioned, we've we've trained about close to 2 million people. So we've touched a lot of lives and I want them to get to know my, my uh, father's legacy and um, learn from the, his leadership style as well. Fantastic. Uh, what would you say his leadership style is? Well, his leadership style was he was uh, uh, super positive and uh, it was a very outgoing and had a big heart. He trusted everybody, Brad. He gave everybody an opportunity and he had a big vision. He had moonshot vision. He would shoot for the moon. And even if he landed halfway, it was better than what most people would even uh, give a shot for. And he wasn't somebody to, to put together a 15 year business plan. He was more like, hey, I got this idea. Let's do it you know, and, and then get behind his team and, 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 and try to get it done. That's how you move mountains. Reviewing the, your, your book again, I, I read it when you first sent it to me, and, and I was so thrilled that you thought to even conclude me on that kind of that first uh, PDF, if you will, before you even sent it to print. Um, but one of the concepts that you mentioned is the concept of go all in, go all in. Uh, what is an all in approach and why is that so important to be a, an effective leader? First, let me start off by defining what I mean by the term leader. Okay. Now, be, being a leader, Brad, it doesn't mean that you you have to, to manage 100 people, 50 people, even two people. We're all, we can all be leaders in our own right. You know, as a individual sales rep, you're a leader. You could be a leader on, on your team. You know, uh, of course, as a parent. So I just want to set the record straight. Leader is is all of us. And what I mean by going all in is if you look at what you're doing, is just give it a hundred percent. You know, I mean, uh, for me, and you can you can you can be all in, in different areas. Like I'm all in. I've always been hundred percent in at learn it. Right. I'm going to give it my best shot. And now I'm a parent of a two year old and a five year old. I'm all into that too. You know, so giving your best effort. And I think that that really resonates in sales as well because sales isn't the kind of um, occupation, let's say, that you go in and you just kind of haphazardly say, you yeah, know, I'm going to try sales today. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pick up the phone and dial 10, not 10, 10, make 10 calls next day, not do it. It's you, you got to be committed to, to sales or, or committed to your leadership or whatever you're doing. And if you go all, all in and you fail, you know, a lot of people don't want to go all in because they don't want to fail. But even if you fail, you still have great learning opportunities that you can move for for next time. So that's really what I mean about, you know, going all in and really committing to what you're doing. I love that. Um, my son, Smith, he's my my third son. He literally just yesterday started a role. Uh, he's still in college, but he's working for a roofing company and he's selling roofs. It's it's probably not the easiest sales job. But uh, but what I love is he is he's just such a he's just such a learner. Like he's been like Brad or he calls me Bradams. Calls you Brad. Brad. 
Bradhams. He calls me Bradhams. Um, yeah, well, Bradhams. The, the, the reason for that is because, you know, whenever he would say dad, you know, like five dads would turn around and look. And yeah. so then he started calling me Bradhams and I was the only dad that turned around and looked. And so he got my attention that way. But uh, but he's been watching these, he's listening to these podcasts and watching these influencers on TikTok and just like, he's just like absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. He called me last night at nine o'clock after he was done doing door knocks and and was just lit up like a Christmas tree, just so excited. And 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 clearly like he's all in. Of course, that was day one. You should be all in on day one, right? But I, I love that I concept so. of all in. You can't, if, if you're trying to lead people and influence mm-hmm. people and move people and shape people, you can't dip your toe in. You've got to be... 100% committed. They're going to smell it. They're going to see it. They're going to know it. If you're not authentic and engaged, it's going to be a problem. So um, I, I, I really like that. Um, so one of the core principles, and I'd love to see that I saw this in your book. Uh, one of the core principles at Sales Gravy is that we always do the right thing. And, and you know, sometimes that causes me to have to go back and redo something or or whatever, and, and, and it's punitive sometimes. But at the end of the day, like doing the right thing is so important. And um, so when it comes to doing the right thing, why did why did you think, I mean, I feel like this is a blinding flash of the obvious question, right? But why did you think that was so important to include in the book and, and, and share with us some of the, the things or the stories around doing the right thing and why that matters for leadership? You would think it'd be blindingly, you know, obvious, but a lot, of, but it's really not, you know, to, to some people. And again, the first baseball coach I played for was this Hall of Fame coach named Andy Lopez, who's awesome. And Andy and I actually connected 30 years after I left Pepperdine. The year after I left, they won the World Series, you know, go figure. And, um, and we connected and I met up with him in Tucson and I gave him a copy of my book and he kind of flipped through it. And he's like, you know what, Damon? If you recall, I had two rules at Pepperdine. Number one was show up on time. And number two was do the right thing. And I think that this is really important for sales. First of all, showing up on time, that has to be a no-brainer. I mean, you have to have respect for your customers and your coworkers. You always have to show up. And then the the second, do the right thing, sometimes uh, players would say to them, well, coach, that's kind of broad. What do you mean? He's like, you know what that means. Whatever the situation is, you know the difference between right and wrong and do the right thing. And in sales, if that's if there's a better opportunity for your customer, uh, you know, lead them down that path. You know, don't uh, don't sell something that is going to be like flipping a grenade over the barracks to your customer's success team. You know, that they you know that we are over promising and underproducing. You know, we've all we've all seen that. Like they're like, oh, my gosh, how am I supposed to do this? You know, do the right thing. And um lead with integrity, you know, that that's really where it comes into. I think it's great that that's one of the values that sales gravy has. I have uh, I have a lot of different stories around that. And if we get around to talking about culture, I've got, I've got a great example of somebody not doing the right thing. But um, I, I just think that that's something that right off the bat, show up on time, do the right thing. hundred um, percent. Let's, let's talk about culture. So tell me that story about culture. You know, there, there's sales culture, there's culture. And, you know, what you see sometimes, and this is something that I, I you know, I, I, I coach or mentor a lot of these uh, individuals, sales leaders, and, and just regular leaders. And uh, this, this woman, you know, she came to me and, and this is her first sales job, really. She's been, in, she's been in it for about six months. And she's like, you know, I got this situation. One of these, and this is a, a large SaaS company. And, and she said, and she manages a team of about 14. 
And she's like, you know, one of my top producers, I think number two or number three, you know, we, we had this contest as well as quarterly goals. And this person blatantly cheated on the contest. You know, they, uh, they, they mm. had deals and commit that they waited to the quarter to close. And then they, they, uh, and then after they quarter closed, they closed them out as closed lost, you know, and they said, you know, it's blatant that this, this has happened. And there's been a couple of other instances where the customer success people have come to me and said, Hey, you know, so-and-so is, you know, this is, this isn't right. They said, well, what should you, what should I do? And it, it, it shouldn't matter if it's $200 or 40,000, but this is about a $40,000 situation here. And I said, uh, well, what you should do is you should fire that person. You know, I mean, this is, they're not doing the right thing. This, th th this is unexcusable, especially if this isn't like that you mentioned the first time you've, you've caught them doing something like this. And it wasn't really her response. So she turned it up to the VP of sales and, and explained to, to him, uh, her boss, what happened. And you know what, Brad, the last I checked about it two months ago, that individual was still on the sales team. And Oof. to me, having somebody who's blatantly lying or cheating is uh, setting the wrong example, and especially when other team members know about it. And the short-term gains aren't going to make up for, I think, the long-term effects that that's going to have on, uh, I think, culture is really important. Uh, sales culture is really important and uh, going in and doing the right thing. And that's a blatant example of not doing the right thing. I, I think, I mean, have you seen situations like that where you just kind of turn a blind eye to a top performer who was cheating and moving on, keeping them around? I, I, I sure have. <laughs> I've seen it a lot. Um, and it's it's a really challenging thing because you, you know, as a sales professional, you want to sell. And as a, as a leader of sales, you've got to lead your team to sales. And there's a metric associated with your team and your executive team is expecting you to deliver the metric through the people on your team. And you rip out the the best performing salesperson and, and, and move on. It's a terrifying thing to think about. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and so, you know, one of the things that I always talk about is, is, you know, why are they doing this in the first place? Like, have you, have you addressed this? Have you coached it? And, and, and if they didn't know, I mean, to me, right and wrong is, is, is so black and white. My, my dad was, mm -hmm. sounds like a lot like, like your dad, just it's like, you know, th there's no gray area, Brad. If you have to ask yourself if it's right, it's probably not. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you already knew the answer when you're asking yourself. But but when you've got that ultra high performer that is producing, but is is doing it in a silo and 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 being a cancer for the team, you can't really shape anybody else because if you tell if you coach other people to do things the right way, they're going to look over and see this person person X who's doing it the wrong way, and 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 you really lose trust with your team, and so you have to you know, put them on a rapid coaching plan to fix it because if you've not ever tried to fix it before, that's the first place you need to start. But if you've already had these conversations before, the only thing you can do is introduce them to your competitor. I mean, that's that's all right. you can do. Just just get them out, like cut the cancer out. I mean, when you know when, when someone has cancer and and they go to the doctor, the doctor doesn't say, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll just kind of let it grow and see what happens." It happens. You know, they they, they yeah. attack it vigorously. They they because it'll kill the body, right? And mm -hmm. so that, that it'll kill a sales team, and and you'll lose some of those other professionals that are earlier in their growth, but but just don't want to be a part of that crappy culture. And um, it's a tough decision, but but you got to make it anyway. I agree, and 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 I agree. You first you start with coaching, and and the first thing you have to do is address it with the with the sales executive, you know, and uh, and, and then coach through it. But if it continues, 
you really, it, it is very difficult because you have numbers you have to hit, but it's going to erode the long-term culture of the team. And, and the other reps, they see that and they, they, under, they see what's going on. And uh, like you said, you can't shape the rest of the team and expect them to be do do one way and, and then let somebody else, you know, cut corners and, and do things like that. So it's a it's a fine line. But to me, it's if you have somebody on your sales culture who's either, you know, not making calls or, you know, just not putting any effort, it, it really affects your team because you want everybody kind of aligned with the same purpose and, and beliefs. So you mentioned you had a five-year-old. I imagine you've probably heard this before. You know, you say your five year to your five-year-old, hey, you know, you've got to do this or you can't do that. And the first thing they fire back at you, well, well, Jimmy's dad lets him play with the iPad till 10 o'clock, you know, and, and it's yeah. like and it's so maddening as a parent, but but you know, that that mindset is in everybody. I mean, it's if people see other people doing things that they're not allowed to do. They have that FOMO, or or they just completely shut down, and you're never going to get the you know, and, and and until you get rid of that person, you're going to have a wonky culture to a bad culture. Yeah, culture is so critical, and uh, and I it think that you, yeah. Um, so what do you do other than doing the right thing? Like how? Like mm-hmm. I've talked to your team, and you've got people that have been there for a long time. Like they started mm-hmm. off as as high schoolers practically. And here they are, you know, having grandkids. I mean, they've been with you for a long time. Those are exaggerations, by the way. But uh, but obviously you've done something to create a, a really good culture for your team. What are some of the things that you've done? Good question. I, I think uh, what I've done is, well, I've, I've had a lot of success getting people early on in their career, you know, and, and being able, you know, with maybe the right kind of attitude and the right kind of traits and and develop de- developing them uh, their, and their skills. Uh, the, the other thing you really want to do is you want to create a healthy competition, you know, mm. amongst the team members when it comes to sales. But you also want them to be collaborative. And so to do that is, you know, you, you work with them. We also spend, you know, we also invest quite a bit in training and and coaching not just w- through our own learning classes, but, you know, other, other platforms like, like sales gravies and others, you know, it's investing in your team, showing them the right direction and also really supporting them, you know, supporting them through trial and error and mistakes and, and, and everything. And um, yeah. And, and then really what happens is say, for instance, yes, we have, we have some individuals who stayed a really long time. We also have individuals who have stayed, you know, two or three years and left but they left on great terms. And what happens when you do that, Brad, is it becomes a funnel for referrals. So mm. people understand what the learned culture is like, and they know their friends or people they actually work with. And if they think they're a good fit for the learned culture, they'll send them our way. And that, that, that's like our number one way to recruit is just through either existing team members or um, the alumni, as, as I call them. I love that. The, the learned alumni. The you learning alumni, you're part, you're part of it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You you can be on the sidelines, hey, 20, 20. <laughs> yeah. Being the alumni, yeah. you know, they can be on the sidelines too. So awesome. So obviously leadership is leadership, whether you're mm-hmm. leading an operations team, whether you're leading HR, whether you're leading accounting. Um, but sales leadership, oftentimes I hear sales leaders say, but you don't understand, sales leadership is different. And, mm-hmm. and th- that's definitely true, but there's a lot of core 
you know, sort of fundamentals of leadership as well. So if you take your book, uh -huh. what would be some of the takeaways in your book that might really specifically connect to sales leaders? Because obviously that's, you know, sales professionals and sales leaders is our primary audience. Um, yeah. What do you think would, 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 if I read your book, I'm a sales leader, what are some of the core takeaways that I would get? So I, I think, yeah, I think there are a lot of similarities in, in leading teams, whatever type of team. But I, I also definitely think that uh, there, it is a different um, beast leading a sales team for sure, I think. You know, and if you look at my book, I talk about really four key traits uh, to be a successful leader. One is humility. Two is curiosity. Three is integrity. And four is courage. Now, let's look at this from a sales perspective. Humility as a sales leader you don't need to have all the answers. You know, it, it's important for your team to know that you surround yourself with great talent and not, not be afraid to uh, ask questions or even bring in, when you bring in somebody new and say, you know, what, what's your prospecting cadence? You know, show me something, right? So you're always continuing to evolve. When it comes to curiosity, I think that this is key. You know, we've, we've talked about this, Brad, before. It's like, asking great questions and listening. You know, everything kind of runs through curiosity, especially in sales. You know, if you if you sit there and, and you can train your team on being better listeners during discovery and, and not, you know, formulating an answer and cutting somebody off before, uh, you know, how many times if you just let this, the client finish what they had to say, you might get nuggets in there that you, that you wouldn't have heard otherwise. So always teaching your team and working your team to being curious. Having integrity, we already covered that. And also the last one is courage. Hey, it takes courage to make phone calls. It takes courage to, to be hung up on or to be told no. And in sales, you have to help instill resiliency in your team and, and courage. So I cover a lot about of that those uh, four traits in my book. And, and those are really, um, if I think about it, where I, I think that sales leaders can get value out of it. You know, curiosity is the one that stood out to me of those four. Obviously, all, all four of those are critical, but I, I oftentimes see sales leaders. Um, we teach the concept in our leadership program for our sales leadership program that uh, that you're not normal. And, uh, you know, when you have a sales leader, you've got a sales leader that was really exceptional in sales and showed a knack for leadership and, and somebody along the way said, hey, th this, this person could be a really good leader. And they get moved into a leadership role. And in that leadership role, they, they learn, you know, a broader sp scope of what the company does and, and, and what their objectives are, what their goals are, what their outcomes are, a five-year plan, you know, all those things. So they like see what's happening up in the stars. And then oftentimes these leaders are, are, are talking to a, a fairly new rep and they're like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just see this? Like, why isn't it so obvious to you that like it's obvious to them? And, 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 and right. that, that's because they're not normal, um, but they're not willing to apply the curiosity. They just jump mm -hmm. to conclusions. They jump to assumptions and they think this is the wrong fit. This is a bad hire. This person's an idiot. This person, you know, is terrified of prospecting or, 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 or whatever. Right. And, um, so I'll tell you a quick story. I, I was actually in San Francisco and I was working with this company and I was working with a, a young lady who is an SDR. And, okay. you know, I, I've coached and trained 30,000 people. And um, this person like had yeah. the, the it, 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 trust me, it's all these gray hairs. I earned every one of them, right? Yeah. Um, but this person had the makeup of somebody that, that should have been exceptional at what okay. she did, but she was just really, really average. 
And and I was trying to figure it out, and I, I was asking her questions. I finally pulled her in a conference room. I said, I said, hey, I, like something's wrong here. I I can't quite figure this out. Like what what drives you? Why do you why do you want to do this role? What what com- what makes you come to work every day? And then she told me some. BS story that wasn't true, you know, just whatever. She's like, you know, all the right. all the canned things that you hear, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and kinda, what, what you're expecting to hear the the, yeah. the, the playbook that yeah. nobody gives you, but everybody knows, right? But but then I applied curiosity, and mm-hmm. and I said, come on, like I I dug deeper, I, I peeled the onion back, and she said, okay, but this stays between you and me. And I was like, okay, now we're talking, right? And so then she said, you know, my husband is a software engineer. This 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 young lady was in her 20s. Her husband was maybe a year or two older. So young, early career folks that were that were sort of making their, their stamp on the world. And she said, he makes almost $300,000 a year. He kills it. He's so good at what he does. And, and I think it's great. But when we sit down and talk about the budget, if I disagree and he wants something and I want something different, he starts throwing the card out. Well, I make a lot more money than you do, and so I get to make this decision. And in my mind, I'm like, girl, you need mar- <laughs> girl, you need marriage counseling. But I, I was uh, just gonna say, <laughs> I, I, I wonder if they're still, I wonder if they're still married because that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't work at my house. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that, that's that would be tough, right? But. Um, but but she said, I want to make more money. I want to be good in sales because this is a place that I can make a lot of money and so that I can have an equal, equal say in the budget. And I was like, okay, I could work with that. There we go. So yeah. I, later that afternoon, I walked by her and, and I looked at her and she was just talking to some friends and she should have been making calls and booking appointments. Yeah. And I was like, hey, how's that budget going for you? And yeah. that, she was like, oh, like I saw her ferocity and she just dug in. 30 days, Damon, 30 days, she was the number two person on the team. There you go. But you, but if I wasn't curious, like if I didn't apply the curiosity, if I didn't like try to, like if I didn't just say, ah, I made a mistake on the hire or, or, or whatever that might be, um, I, I would have swung and missed. I like, I, yep. I didn't hire her. I mean, I was just working at the company to help them, but, um, but they were ready to put her on a pit plan because they're like, she's just not, you know, she's been here long enough. She should be doing, but it, it just like being curious, like curiosity is so, so critical. I, I love that that's part of your book. And that's something that I see almost globally that sales leaders just flat out. Like if you think you're curious, you're probably not as curious as you should be. Amen. I, I love that. I, I say the same kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Let's see. I, I'm losing myself in my uh, chapter five. There you go. Um, okay. Look for learning. Look for learning. I love that. For me, this kind of connects in two ways. This is look for learning for myself, like upskill myself, like get better as a leader myself. Uh, But also as an advocate for my team, I want to look for learning for them too. Um, Why do you feel that this concept of of always be on the lookout for learning, again, feel like this is a bonding flash of the obvious, but but you obviously thought it was important enough to be put in the book. Why is this concept something that was that you're passionate about and 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 you wrote about? Well, I, I think it's because I think you 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 always want to be evolving. And really, Brad, everybody you come into contact with, you can learn something from them. You know, they're they know more about some topic other uh, other than what you know. So there's always learning opportunities out there for you. And I think as a leader, whether you're a sales leader, well, whatever you are, you, you, you want to have that drive to continuously be learning uh, so you can evolve. And then you want to take that learning 
because the only way your team, the only way you're you're going to hit your numbers or your your team is going to be successful is through your team. So you 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 get passionate or, or you know excited about this learning, and then you turn around and you work with your team on it. You know, so I think I think great leaders are great students. You know, they're great extractor. They 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 know how to extract information through being curious out of people, and then they share that information out. You know, to help evolve and and grow their team. Damon, obviously, you're the CEO of Learn It. I'm at Sales Gravy. We're both in the same space, although our, we specialize in sales. You specialize in in, in all people in the business. Um, but if you look at a tool like your platform, Learn It, where you provide training for for corporations, and our platform, Sales Gravy, where we provide sales specific training, how might a leader? You know, think about the concept, and there's a lot of other companies out there that do what we do too. So, uh, but how how would a company use additional outside resources like Learn It, Sales Gravy, and 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 other companies that apply that? How, how would they best utilize that as part of their overall leadership and coaching? And you know, w- what are the best practices around that? Well, I, you know, let's look at it from a, a sales lens. You okay. see a lot of uh, top performing sales reps getting promoted into sales leadership. And a lot of times they're, they're, they're dropped into this new role, uh, Brad, without any type of coaching or training or resources. And a lot of times it, it doesn't end too well. So right there off the bat, you know, when you're moving somebody into a new role, uh, whether it's sales gravy, learner or whatever, you have to give the, the individuals, the the skills or, you know, the training or the skills that will get them to where they need to go. Now, I also look at it, you look at it from a sales rep perspective. It's like golf, you know, you go out there and you have your golf swing, but if you keep the repetitions and you, and you keep, you know, shanking the ball or whatever, maybe it's, a, you have the wrong grip or the wrong stance. That's what, just like with making outbound prospecting calls, running discovery meetings, if you go through and you learn how to do it right through coaching or through, uh, training, that's where training really can help have a positive impact on organizations. And besides that, studies show, especially with the younger generations, they're demanding that now. They're demanding professional growth opportunities and engagement scores for organizations that invest in their team. You know, that that cuts down on, uh, you know, attrition, which costs a ton of money. And it, it just shows that, uh, you know, in, investing in training really helps the companies increase engagement, like I just said a second ago, and keep people motivated. So there's a lot of advantage using uh, and, and leveraging tools like Learn It and, and Sales Gravy to help invest in their team. Awesome. Awesome. But you also have to be a good leader. Like you can't just uh, just outsource the training and then just set it and forget wow. it. You've got to follow up and coach it and lock it in and execute. And uh, and it takes both. You 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 need to be the the leader coach and you need to be like a rat on a Cheeto when it comes to making sure that you upskill your team. So, and and how what I'd like to add to that is you can't send somebody through. Like I think my entire team has gone through the fanatical prospecting boot camp at some point or another. You know, that's fantastic. And it's, you know, it's in, it's in the cohort and we do a lot of cohorts ourselves in, in leadership skills, but that's just not enough either. 
you, you, you have to, as a leader, you have to keep, you have to keep making that learning sticky, meeting with them. What did you learn? How are you implementing, keeping them accountable for what they learned, whether it's by reading a, you know, whether it's a book they're reading or a training they're going through. So yes, you're right. It's not a learning and, uh, and training isn't a, a set it and forget it. It's a, it's a continuous, uh, situation. It is continuous. It's always on. It's, uh, it, you know, you, you, you've got to be coaching every single day, every single day. And, and just because you create influence on somebody doesn't mean that it's locked in forever. I, I remember Absolutely. a story, again, thinking about kids, I remember a story I was trying to teach my my daughter how to make her bed every day. And I, I observed and I looked and I did it and she did it and she did it and she did it. And then one day I didn't look. And a few days later, she forgot to do it. And then she didn't get in trouble. And then boom, habit erased. <laughs> right? Yeah. So. yeah and, and, and they say sometimes it takes, you have to communicate seven times before people even hear what you're saying. So sure. it's uh yeah it's not a set it forget it it's a it's a constant constant practice and and it will pay off over time too. Well, Damon, I I tell you it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Sales Gravy podcast today. Show me the book again and tell me about where you can get the book. There you go. I think it's behind me too, next to my Rocky poster. If you see my Rocky poster, I do see your Rocky uh, poster. Yeah, I love it. My my wife's like, I, I, I don't want people breaking in your house to steal that copy. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife likes to say, "I had nothing to do with your design and your pictures behind you." You know, so random. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can get my book on it's the uh, Learn It All Leader Mindset Traits and Tools. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get books. And uh, if you want to connect with me, uh, please connect with me on LinkedIn at, at Damon Lemby, or go to the Learn It website, uh, LearnIt.com, and you can see a wide variety of the offerings that how we help uh, companies. That's learnit.com, and it's Damon Limby, L-E-M-B-I. Thank you so much. And 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 as Damon mentioned, uh, it's great to have tools and solutions for a leader to to help upskill your sales team. And um and and that is our entire goal at Sales Gravy, and and our team hub. Sales Gravy University is a perfect solution for large and scaling teams. As mentioned earlier in the podcast, we've got a great offer. For the listeners of this podcast, if you've not already taken a course with us, please do so. And you could get a free course today by going to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com. Use the promo code free course. And if Damon can help you, hit him up and get that book. You're going to love it. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, Brad. It was great being here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Be well.